Cork Girl by Dina Gregory. Night times used to feel delicious. Lying in the dark after a day spent outdoors waiting for sleep to wash over him, only to look up in what seemed like the next moment and find a whole nine hours had passed. The time warp of sleep. Now it was the opposite. Hours stretched into decades, stretched into centuries as Aldo tossed and turned, searching for the one position, that one arrangement of limbs and torso that, that would quiet the pain in his joints and bring back peaceful slumber, an endless quest for comfort. Last night had been so bad that Aldo felt older this morning, much older. His parents came into the room as soon as the nurse had finished helping him wash. Poor things, Aldo thought. This was not their normal. Normal for his parents was control. They controlled everything in his life, his meals, clothes, toys, friends. If something was amiss, anything was needed, they would fix it. There was nothing their money couldn't buy. Until the disease came. But today, mercifully, Aldo noticed something new in his parents' expressions. Where the worry had been was a look of weary determination. They had a purchase to make. This was something they did well. Would you like to go over the list? His mother asked breathlessly. Disney World, the Galapagos Islands, the Caribbean. Aldo travelled to these places as his parents were speaking, bumping into bodies, smelling sunscreen, feeling nauseous. He covered thousands of miles drifting in and out of consciousness as they ran down their comprehensive list of well-reasoned pitches, and it tired him further. No, Aldo said at last, it has to be my choice. Aldo reached for his iPad, but his mother was there before him, rushing to open the device and bring it to his face. The browser opened on the page Aldo had found during the night, and there was the pale-eyed face looking out from the iPad, the genie of last wishes. Clever boy, his father beamed. His son had taken control of the situation. It didn't take long for his parents to set up an appointment, Venmo the money, deal with insurance, and make the virtual arrangements. It didn't take long because Aldo didn't have long. One of the terms and conditions for administering last wishes, according to the site, was that the wish remained private, a confidential matter between genie and client. This privacy clause was what had attracted Aldo in the first place. I want to go somewhere untrodden, he told the genie in their first video chat. I don't care where, as long as no one has been there before me. That was all he could manage to articulate under the influence of a new cocktail of drugs. It would have confused his parents, such a vague wish. The genie, however, seemed to understand. And you wish to go alone? She asked. Yes, replied Aldo, so grateful that a tear rolled down one of his swollen cheeks. His parents were suspicious. There were no reviews, no ratings, no competitors to offer a point of comparison. It was an untested service, not to mention extraordinarily expensive. But then again... This was an extraordinary circumstance. And deep down, though neither parent admitted it to the other, 
They were both relieved to outsource Aldo's final trip to an outsider. Nannies, tutors, summer camps, private schools, these had all prepared them for the handing over of this moment. It was agreed that Aldo's parents would accompany him on the first flight, but not the second. The second was a private, chartered plane, the smallest Aldo had ever flown in. The sick boy tried to stay alert as the plane dipped and climbed, but the noise of the plane's engine and the rhythmic vibrations kept closing his heavy eyelids. He slipped in and out of the same dream, drenched in darkness, until the genie's voice cut through. Under your buckle, she said with her strange accent. What was it? Swiss? It reminded him of an environmental activist whose name Aldo could not quite remember. You will see better, she added. All his life, people had told Aldo to buckle up. Put your helmet on, Aldo. Stay where we can see you, Aldo. Careful, Aldo, not too near the edge. But now he undid his seatbelt and dropped to his knees, shuffling clumsily to the side of the plane to look out of the window. The sight below was strange and disorienting. A swirling pattern of black pools, ridges, and small green islands rising from water. Aldo was mesmerized. Myers, explained the genie. Aldo strained to hear her over the engine. We are flying over the wetlands of Estonia. Nothing more was said between them until after Aldo had emerged from the tiny plane and thrown up in the reeds. You are disappointed? The genie asked with a professional concern. I saw a farm back there. You slept, said the genie. We haven't passed a living soul for 20 minutes. Besides, she added, no one would go where you are going. How do you know? Asked Aldo with a touch of imperiousness inherited from his father. It is too dangerous, replied the genie. She bent down to calibrate some equipment, her hair falling over an expensive watch. It was impossible for the boy not to envy her smooth skin, her athletic body, her even breath. We will all die, Aldo, said the genie, as if reading his thoughts. With that, she began giving instructions. Watch where you tread. Once the boardwalk ends, you will have no guide. The soil is soft and spongy. If you slip into a bog, you will drown. Seek the higher ridges and never tread on moss that is bright green. The genie took hold of Aldo's thin arm. This will allow us to track your movements, she added, strapping a device to his wrist. Aldo barely listened as she continued her instructions. When to turn back, how much daylight remained, what to do in an emergency... His eyes were drawn to the low shrubs and twisted trees, the swamp forest in the distance and the wet darkness lurking beyond. Suddenly, Aldo felt the unwelcome intrusion of a camera. Don't, he flinched. I have to. It is for documentation purposes. The genie aimed her camera at Aldo's face. You don't have to say anything. She hit record and the frail boy looked away from the camera lens as she panned out across the desolate landscape. Aldo was relieved to get away. Away from the camera, the planes, the hospital, the life-saving technology that had estranged his life, turning adventures into memories. Not this one. 
As soon as he left the boardwalk, the boy's feet sank into the mud. He tried treading where the grass was thick or the ground was raised, but soon learned that appearances were deceptive. There was no guarantee of firm footing anywhere in this watery land. Most of Aldo's energy went toward maintaining his balance. Once or twice he stumbled, and it was a struggle to get back on his feet. But he thrilled at the challenge. And gradually, as he grew accustomed to the difficulty, he was able to savor his surroundings. His eyes darted about, skipping over pools of glinting water, alighting on berries growing on the fringes of the bogs, tracking waterfowl and the insects that scuttled from his footfall. There was a mystical beauty to the land, as if strange creatures might dart out at any moment from behind a bush, perhaps a bog hopper with the face of a goblin and the body of a frog or a will-o'-the-wisp, as he had heard it dwelled in such places, or a marsh madman escaped from an Estonian prison taking refuge in the soggy wilderness. These thoughts gave Aldo pleasurable shivers, unlike the violent chills he'd suffered in the hospital. With so much stimulation, Aldo soon forgot his nausea. He could not, however, shake that other feeling of having aged beyond his years. His body felt decrepit, which was why he was surprised to look up and discover that he had made it all the way to a thicket of trees. The boy felt a flicker of joy, redolent of past ventures. Acting on a powerful impulse, Aldo unstrapped the device around his wrist and flung it between two pines. It remained lodged on the surface of a bog for a few seconds, then sank down into the wet peat, disappearing. How many things had disappeared in this strange place? What did it mean to the trees to have objects sink between their roots, never to surface again? Or did they resurface somewhere else? As these and other thoughts preoccupied Aldo, a greenish mist rolled through the pines and the sky darkened. Undeterred, Aldo pushed further into the swamp forest. There was something familiar in the wet darkness a dream calling him. Or perhaps it was the silence. Aldo hadn't been alone in weeks, maybe months. An endless string of doctors, nurses, friends and relatives, not to mention his ever-watchful parents, had presided over him. Now, only the trees stood vigil, and he relished the quiet. It was as if the thirsty soil soaked up sound as well as water, the light dwindled, and it became difficult to see. Aldo stumbled more frequently on slippery roots. The branches scratched at his sweat-drenched skin, damp and cold like everything else. But still, Aldo forged on, gasping for breath as he repeated an internal mantra. I am the first human to set foot here. I am the first human to set foot here. I am the first... Finally it came, the moment when he had to stop. Aldo's shallow breaths were no longer sufficient to fill his lungs. Pain flooded back through his limbs like his blood was on fire. The pine branches spun around his head, weaving a dizzying coffin. Aldo dropped down onto the soil, laid his head against the grey moss. Had the light been better, he would have seen that his pillow was actually bright green. 
It was then that Aldo noticed something moving in the darkness, just feet away. Something black and slimy, rolling over like an eel in the liquid mud. At first he thought he was hallucinating, but then, peering into the gloom, he saw two eyes open and blink at him. The vague outline of a girl's head rose up from the bog. Aldo tried to make sense of the apparition. His mind still had the same thoughts swirling around. I am the first human to be here. And an exciting thought followed. Are you a new species? He asked the girl with his last whisper. I am not new. I am old. Much older than you. She said with her pale eyes. But I am growing ancient. I can feel it happening. This, Aldo said internally, for his breath was gone. Yes, you are, she agreed with a slow blink. How long have you been here? The boy asked, and his question was absorbed in the peat. Hours. Decades. Centuries, came her reply, entering his body through the wet against his back. Are there many like you? Aldo tried to picture thousands of these slithering bog bodies dotting the mires. We are as many as you are, she answered, sitting up in the bog, so that rivulets of mud trickled down her upper torso, mud that now served as a mediator between them. How do you know? asked Aldo. The same way I knew you were coming, the bog girl replied. Am I? he asked. Coming. Yes, she answered, lying back down. Aldo noticed that his body was very gently sinking in, next to the bog girl. He shivered a little. It was like getting into a bath of cold treacle. He liked it there. How dark and thick the gloopy mud was. How it coated his aching body so that when he lifted his thin arm, it looked just like the bog girl. Finally, Aldo let go of his curiosity and lay back. The mist tore apart above him like wrapping paper, revealing the gift of a silver moon. Then, just like that, the gift was rescinded. Exhausted, the boy lay submerged in black, thick liquid, sinking into the ancient peat below. And there it was again, that delicious feeling, lying in the dark after a day spent outdoors, waiting for sleep to wash over him. After the machines were switched off, after the bed linen was changed, after the patient's ID was erased from the board, the hospital returned Aldo's belongings to his parents. His poor mother, still in shock, flipped open Aldo's iPad through force of habit. It was on low battery mode. The last thing she saw before the power went out was a boy who looked just like her son, turning away from the camera towards a strange landscape of dark swamps and twisted trees, like the beginning of a fairy tale. Then, just like that, the image disappeared. Aldo's mother did not know what it meant. She promptly dismissed the scene as a product of her overwrought mind. But not Aldo. He remembered every detail, every step, every breath, 
and though he could find no allies, no evidence in his browser history, no financial trail, Aldo remained convinced that it had happened. The doctors put it down to side effects, a neurochemical imbalance created by that final experimental cocktail of drugs, drugs that miraculously took effect. It was not until years later that Aldo was able to confirm the truth of his strange dream. He was returning from studies abroad, walking through the airport terminal towards his gate. Wait, please, he called to a woman pushing a wheelchair. How did I get back to the hospital? Aldo was certain it was her before she swung around. I returned you, said the genie simply. Aldo stared at her lovely eyes, puzzled. I had to. The genie stepped away from the wheelchair and lowered her voice. She looked exactly the same, but for her attire. Her hair was pinned back neatly, and she wore a well-tailored suit. When she spoke, it was with that same distinctive accent. It was your last wish, Aldo. You wished to go somewhere untrodden. Yes. Where? How did you put it? No one has gone before you. I know, said the boy turned young man. And you wished to go alone. Aldo remembered his profound urge to be without anyone. That was a wish to live, Aldo. She stared at him with those same pale eyes. Genie, bog girl, angel, whatever she was. Then, with a glimmer of a smile, she went back to the woman in the wheelchair and they parted ways. She to grant more wishes, he to complete his solitary journey, along with the rest of the crowds moving through the airport, each of them treading where none had gone before them, into their own unknowns.